This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by the worker owners of Come As You Are. Come As You Are has the peculiar distinction of being the world's only worker-owned cooperative sex shop. With feminist and anti-capitalist values, Come As You Are only carries sexuality products that they truly believe in at the lowest price possible. Get free shipping at www.comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Cripple Content Creations presents Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability, with your host, Andrew Gerza. Disability After Dark, with Andrew Gerza, shining a bright light on sex and disability. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Well, hello, friends. Thank you for coming to a brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. I am excited you're here and excited to start a brand new episode with you. I've had a cold for the last week, so my voice sounds all gravelly and sexy-like, that's why, uh, but I am super excited for this episode, and let me tell you why. Just before we get too-too started, you may have seen on my social media over the last week and a half that I'm getting the When I Was a Disabled Kid podcast stuff ready, and you may have seen me bombarding you with tweets and things like that about it, but I'm so excited about this one. I have the artwork done, I have... The music just about ready to go. I'm in the middle of emailing a bunch of guests and people that I want to have on the show to tell me their stories. I'd love to invite you on if you're a listener of my stuff and you like what I do and you're, you want to tell a story about how your disabled childhood influenced you in any way. I'd love for you to be a part of the show. Whether And people have asked me, they're like, is it is it about invisible disabilities or just physical disabilities? Of course, it's for anybody who identifies as disabled. I want to invite you to tell your stories of your childhood and talk to us about how your disabled childhood influenced who the awesome disabled person you are now, uh, that kind of stuff. So I'd love to have you involved. If you want to be a part of that show, you can email me at whenIwasADisabledKid at gmail.com or andrewandandrewgerza.com. They all go to the same place. But I'm really, really chuffed and excited about this show So uh, be in touch because I'd love to have you all as guests and learn about your awesome disabled childhoods and how they turned you into who you are today. But let's, enough shameless self-promotion, let's go to the awesomeness of today's Disability After Dark. So along with being a podcast producer and making shows around disability, which I am very proud of, I also am a huge podcast listener. I listen to podcasts to see what they do to make my shows better. I listen to podcasts just for the sheer enjoyment of sitting down and listening to somebody tell a story. And I am a huge giant fan of anything to do with true crime or murder. That's my guilty, guilty, guilty pleasure. Um, I am a, I, I'm a fan of shows like my Favorite Murder, and That's Why We Drink, and one of my all-time favorite shows that I've been a huge fan of for a year now is the show Wine and Crime. I started listening to Wine and Crime about a year ago, right after my C. difficile diagnosis in the hospital, and I couldn't stop shitting everywhere. I needed something to make me smile and make me laugh a little bit, and so this show, I can't remember how... I came across it, but I put it in my feed, and I listened to one or two, and I immediately was hooked. This is a show that's a really, really simple concept. It's where three friends chat true crime, chug wine, and unleash their worst Minnesotan accents. And it it became one of my favorite shows. I listen to it all the time. I pledge to their Patreon. I, I will tell all my friends about it. It's a show that I just fell in love with, and if you haven't listened to Wine and Crime yet, pause me right now and download all of their things, pledge to their Patreon, go on the, the web to Twitter at 
Wine and Crime Pod. They're amazing. Follow them right now and download all the things. But I wanted to find a way to bring them on the show and to talk with them about doing maybe a crossover. And I wasn't sure because they're a murder podcast and I am not a murder podcast. So I didn't quite know how to do that. But I thought I would reach out anyway and see if they could, they would want to do something with me. And I said, look, let's, let's talk about it some more. So we did some emails back and forth. And um, we decided that they were going to come on and simply ask me questions about sex and disability. A lot of these questions I've answered before on the show, and I've you've heard me give these answers before, but it was nice to bring this perspective to a new group of people and have them be so receptive and really genuinely wanting to know. I love talking to people about sex and disability who want to learn things, and I think it's important that we had that conversation. We also had a bunch of laughs. They are so funny. They're so dirty. It was such a good time to just talk about sex and disability with people and just laugh about it. And this is literally what the whole hour is. Just me and them giggling at each other and making ridiculous inside jokes and being funny. I had such a good time. I can't speak enough about how much I love this interview. And I am so happy to share it with you. So here's my interview on episode 103 of Disability After Dark with the gals of Wine and Crime Kenyon, Lucy, and Amanda, right here on Disability After Dark. Well, hello, friends. Hi. I am so... You don't even understand how excited I am right now for this to be occurring. We understand. We're also excited. Yeah, we're pumped. Um, So... I know who you are because to me you're podcast royalty. Um, <laughs> but why don't? <laughs> but why don't you um, let the audience know who you are? Hello. Hello, I'm Kenyon. I'm one of the hosts of Wine and Crime. I'm Lucy. I'm also one of the hosts of Wine and Crime. <laughs> I'm Amanda, and uh, I guess I'm also one of the hosts of Wine and Crime. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm excited. To be a host of Wine and Crime. <laughs> so good. <laughs> so awesome. So, if you're wondering why the hosts of a, a wine comedy murder podcast show are on a sex and disability podcast show, here's why. Uh, you three are so sex positive in the work that you do when you talk about feminism and, and fucking the patriarchy. You're mm-hmm. really, really super positive. And I was like, let's... I wanted to bring you three on because so many people have questions about sexuality and disability that they don't really get to ask. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I pitched this to you three, you were like, yeah, that one, that one. So I was like, great, we'll do that. So I wanted to bring you on just as like the average person asking questions about sex and disability. Yeah. I yes. love it. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I think that how you framed it is really key. I think that there are a lot of well-meaning people out there that are maybe a little bit afraid to talk about it because it, it isn't their lived experience. And mm-hmm. so they kind of, you know, they don't want to, you know, offend anyone. Um, they don't quite know if the language that they have, the lexicon that they have is still appropriate, if that those are still the preferred terms. And so I think what ends up happening, unfortunately, is that people end up not asking questions and not talking about it and it just being relegated to silence mm-hmm. to like mythology where yeah exactly and i think i think what you mentioned Kenyon, about people not wanting to talk about it they're scared because also disability it, it's gonna happen to all of us at one point or another whether whether we like it or not it's, it's gonna be oh a, yeah a part of our experience so i think People just get scared, and then when you topple on sex to it, people are like, "Oh, well, that's uh, that's already two taboos." Yeah, mm-hmm. we can't have two taboos in mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Too much. So it's just, it becomes really yeah, exactly. It goes really really scary, and so I wanted to use the awesome ladies of Wine and Crime to be my you know my, to be the the question askers, and I wanted to see what the three of you. How, what what kind of questions you might have around sex and disability that, I mean, people, we've probably heard them all before, but I think 
having just a really fun conversation around them too is key. Yeah. Um, can I go first? Totally. Go, girl. Do it. <laughs> so ready. Chomping at the bit. I'm still stuck <laughs> on our horse crimes episode for today. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Lucy's I just, feed I can't, bag overfloweth with curiosity. I can't, I can't hold my horses. So good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's get off to the races. <laughs> oh, my <God. laughs> Oh my god. I love oh my it. God, I love this. Um, okay, so first question. Our friend Scott, who we often refer to as the fourth gal, he has a myriad health issues and he has um a, a parking tag in his car where he can park at those spots up close to the building. Yeah. And he refers to it as his placard or something like that. Right. He's got like, a different name for it. And I I referred to it as his handicap tag at one point, and he's like, you can't say that. So I wanted to ask you, for just out of the gate, <laughs> another horse joke. <laughs> um, what, what are the words that are appropriate to use when it comes to disabilities? Um, access, he, even. Access, yeah. Just, um, just, just the general words, because he also told me that in some cases you can use the word cripple, and that to me seemed odd. I have that, yeah, you call the most different of one. Yeah, but that's like, right. Yeah. Can I call you the queer cripple? Well, we're all friends, so the answer would be sure you can. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, and also, I mean, can I be the fifth gal? Yes. <laughs> sure. I'm a done. big. It's already done. <laughs> <laughs> I'll expect my... up the paperwork. <laughs> yeah. Do it. Um, so I think I think that you know, language is such a tough one because for every single person with a disability or difference in the world, um, their preferred language is going to be different, and they might not like what you say and how you phrase things. Mm-hmm. And I think. We need to own the fact that we're all ignorant. Sometimes we all make mistakes, and we should all we can all grow from them. Um, when it comes to language, much like we're doing in the non-binary and trans communities right now, how we're saying like, "Hey, what's your pronoun? Mm-hmm. What would you prefer me to identify you as?" I think we need to be asking the same of disabled people and saying like, "Hey, so just so I'm clear, how do you want me to? How do you want me to?" to to identify your disability, if at all. Mm-hmm. Because, I think that's a, I mean, such we, a great answer. <laughs> sometimes we hesitate to say even disabled or a person with a disability because we're not we're not sure, and those two terms in and of themselves are different. Um, I just feel like the language does evolve pretty frequently. Oh, and it does, and I think I think. The term, I think disabled is a term that we need to start using more and we need to start, I mean, if we're going to talk about disability generally before you ask somebody and if you don't know the proper term, is, I think, I believe, and I'm just one person so people can disagree with me and send in letters and whatever they want to do, but <laughs> I believe that the proper terminology is disabled and then if the person says, actually, my preferred terminology is person with a disability or in my case, cripple, then you follow suit. But until you know, I think the proper language is disabled. Because when you say words like person with a disability, what happens is you tend to wash over the fact that they're disabled. Mm-hmm. And by trying to find their personhood and their... Which is which I, I understand the, the meaning behind that. But when you just say, oh, you're so much bigger than your disability. It's like, well, but what if I'm... What if my disability is a part of that experience? Right, right. Mm-hmm. And pe- and what if there needs to be attention drawn to it in yeah. order to improve access or mm-hmm. human rights or what have you? Exactly. Yeah. Well, and especially in the world in which I find you to be an expert talking about sex and sex positivity and engaging in sexual activity when you are disabled has its own set of challenges. So I guess my question would be, and I, I know you've talked about this on your show before, but I just want to get, you know, my own answer to this question. But Do um, how you broach that subject with new partners that you have, because 
I, I'm diabetic. I'm a type 1 diabetic. And it is surprising, actually, how much it can affect your sex life in a multitude of ways. Um, just like my physical abilities, um, my, like, level of moisture. This is why I'm talking about lube so openly on, on our show. Um, sometimes I'm literally too sick. Sometimes I'll get low blood sugar in the middle of sex. And it's always an awkward conversation, especially with a new partner, to be like, hey... I love having sex and I want you to like roll me into all these pretzely positions, but we need to be upfront about how I, I might need to stop. Shit or take could go break. down. Yeah. Like literally blood sugar could go down. Like you could be balls deep in me. And then I'd be like, I need orange juice yesterday. Your safe word is diabetes. Yeah. Essentially. So I guess I just want to know how, how you approach that and how you get comfortable having those conversations with your partners. Uh, that's a loaded question. Mm-hmm. First, first and foremost, thanks for coming out as, as officially diabetic on this show. I, now I want to have you back and do a whole episode on your positions and diabetes and all the things. I have so many positions. They're pretzels. Can you please take her off of our hands to talk about her different positions? They're over it. A lot. I would, we know way too much so about Amanda's cooch. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, but to answer the question more broadly, I have and I have a story I can share, and I don't know if I've said this on the the show or not. I was with a guy a couple years ago. We're messing around. Was, we're ha- we're doing the things at like two in the morning. The guy dro- came all the way from downtown Toronto to my little suburb to like fuck me at two in the morning, which is cool. Love that. And I God was bless. ready for it. And mm-hmm. then he, in the middle of our, in the literally in the middle of like some dick sack, and he was like, "Hey." Do you have some orange juice? <laughs> was he diabetic too? Yeah, he was. He was. Oh my god. Okay, so I actually feel so much better. Seriously, in non-diabetic sleeping with anyone, just have juice in your house. You never know. I mean, I mean, I'm not a juice person. I'm a water guy because juice mm-hmm. is my body. Like no, but but yes. Luckily, at the moment, I did have juice, and we figured it out, and we kept going. But I think the way you broach that is you just lean into it harder. Like, you just just make it part of your, like, make it part of the foreplay. Make it part of the encounter itself. Like, play with it, because I think when you own it, when you own Mm -hmm. what it is, and you own the, like, I like that you said sometimes you're too sick for for sex. Um, Mm -hmm. You know from our hilarious social media banter that I have... IBS and sometimes I have to mm-hmm. be like hey hello like, hi hey. all three of us like yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> like it can be a really tough thing to be like hey sorry I'm feeling shitty pun intended literally yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I can't I am too full of poop right now to have sex. <laughs> yeah I can't do the things with you so I think being upfront about it and leaning in really hard to whatever that reality is with a partner and also that that shows you too if your partner will be able to handle that shit. If you lean in really hard and they're like, oh, uh, I gotta go. Yeah, I'm out. Thanks so much. Bye. Then and fuck that. You don't want them around anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think, but and it's it's a good marker for you to see how you handle it too. If you can lean in really hard and you can laugh about it with yourself, then you're good. Mm-hmm. Well, and also like sex is awkward for any you know quote-unquote able-bodied like cis hetero person anyway. yeah it's soups ox it's yeah, weird and there are together oh there are smells <laughs> and sounds yeah. liquids, and liquids. moistures of, uh, yeah lots of guts it's just like <laughs> call it what it is it's so fun and it's so gross like 90 percent of the time it's just, <laughs> and then i love that yeah Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I have a question sort of along the same lines. We talked about like sometimes you're just too sick to have sex. And I know that's a little bit different than what I'm about to ask, but like I'm on a number of medications um, that decrease your libido. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been. I mean, now it's been a few years, so I'm used to it, but that was like a harsh kind of experience for me because that change in my libido felt like a big change in my identity, Um, and it's still kind of something that I grapple with, Um, and I'm just wondering if if you're on any medications and if you've, 
you know, experienced that and, and just just talk to that. I yeah, I've experienced. I'm on some not a, I'm not on like a lot of meds anymore, but I have been with the and especially with the IBS, they put you on a bunch of stuff that makes <sighs> that makes your like nervous system be like, I'm depressed right now. I don't want to do anything yeah. like, for <laughs> weeks and days and months. Or, yeah, because those can have steroids in them too, right? Oh yeah, the, yeah. there's like so many issues with the the kind of medications that the medical professionals will give you that suck up your libido. That nobody and nobody talks about that, especially when you're and most antidepressants, most yes. SSRIs, most yep. even a lot of women's birth control. Like, yep, it is real. The, the struggle is like deep, and the struggle is real. Um. Was trying to make I was trying to make a horse pun there, but I couldn't come up with it. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Um, a lot of a lot of race left <laughs> for horse puns. <laughs> so, but I mean, to answer the question, I think, I think that you have to start talking about like the meds and what the meds do to you, do a partner, and say, look, maybe today I can't go for that third round of dick sucking, but can we, like cuddle and hang out and be in the same room and be I mean there are so many different ways to be sexy that don't need to involve the parts the parts are great we all want to get there but I think talking about how like reasons why you can't get there and owning that can also be a really I don't want to say a fun experience but it can be sexy that you can say like I can't do this today well can we try this um and I think talking to medical professionals too about like hey so if you put me on this drug like, can I do all the, can I twist myself into that position or no? Mm -hmm. Like really being upfront with your, with your care team. And I know how tough it is for me to do that. My doctor is great, but also really problematic when it comes to disability. Cause she'll be like, Oh, you're having sex and you're disabled. I don't know how to help. I don't know what, how to talk about that. So mm -hmm. like they're super, super awkward. And she's a doctor. Yeah. It's, Oh, okay. And she's your doctor? Yeah, it's... Yeah. Fruits come in all shapes I, and sizes, people. <laughs> she's a sweet... She, she's sweet, but she just certainly doesn't have... She doesn't get it all the time. So I right. think I think being being a self-advocate and saying, like, hey, I'm a sexual being. Um, I'm willing to try this drug therapy, but how will this affect my sex life? And, more like, what is it... What will it do for me? Or not... Right, and not, not being ashamed of that being important to you. I feel like people have this weird, like, oh, I shouldn't be so concerned with how much sex I'm having, or they have ideas of how much or how little you're supposed to be having sex or how sexual you're supposed to be. It's different for everybody, and it's important on a different level for everyone. So if that's something that's important to you, and it's a game changer in terms of, like, a relationship or a medication or whatever... That's it's okay to bring up those concerns. Yeah, and it's okay to be like, "Hey, doc, I, I suck dick three nights three nights a week. Like, what? How to deal with it? Yeah, like figure <laughs> it out. <laughs> Make it four. Yeah. <laughs> Help um, me with this TMJ. Yes. <laughs> you you've talked on your show a little bit about um, like having to schedule sexy time mm. uh, because. Not only because we all lead busy lives, but because you have a care team and, um, you know, different partners. And so you have to, like, figure out when it's going to work and, like, mm -hmm. literally schedule it. Um, in those instances, are you, like, how do you, not literally how do you get yourself in the mood, but, like... <laughs> <laughs> well, you, maybe literally. Inquiring minds want to know. And know that you're going to be in the mood. Well, let me answer the, the first hilarious part of the question. How do I get myself in the, in the mood? Um, there's a lot of 90s rom-coms that I, I'll throw on. Yes. Some, <laughs> I'll throw on some Meg Ryan from the 90s. Cause, oh, my God. Oh. Notting Hill just gets Andrew Hart as a rock. Pretty much, though. <laughs> pretty, like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just She's a girl that. standing in front of a boy <laughs> asking him to fuck her. You are not wrong about that, though. Julia Roberts, I'm, I'm there for it. Let's yes, go. Queen. Oh my god, what? <laughs> I am so here for this. I just did an episode that came out a few weeks ago where I or last week where I reviewed um, You've Got Mail. As I love if, that movie. As, as so good, as if the character was 
disabled and I'm like I could sit and watch rom-coms with a boy all day and that would be, I'd be like great that's my mood that's I want to do mm-hmm. it now um okay but I think when, when you know when scheduling sex with a disabled person there's a there's a power in that there's a real agency in saying like no at four o'clock on this day I'm gonna suck your dick for x amount of time because for me with my care team I have to then get ready there's a whole ritual that goes into it and there's a sexy anticipation, I think, in saying like, "No, this isn't. I didn't meet this guy in a in a in a university bathroom, and we didn't fuck mm-hmm. at two in the morning, which is great, and I support all those things." But I think as I get older and as I become more and more disabled, because of my disability, obviously, um, scheduling is really really key. But I'm finding the power in the agency in that and I think that's I think that's really important to show disabled people that when you schedule something and you decide what the time frame is you make that choice and I think that's a big thing that everybody needs to take hold of is that you have the right to decide when you get to have when you get to like do the things I love that mm-hmm. that makes what? me want to do that do it schedule. like you're gonna come over at this time on this day and this is what we're gonna do and no questions asked and, and you don't and get I have to change my no plan flexibility you're doing what i tell you and yeah you it's got kind buy, of like a dom feel to yeah, it yeah, yeah it's really dommy and you will buy all the juice <laughs> you will buy all the juice <laughs> yeah and you will bring me juice and you will pour it down my fucking throat <laughs> and while you're at it piggy. you're gonna bring me chocolate too <laughs> and McDonald's. Since you're already going to the store. I have a list. <laughs> and then we're gonna watch sure Notting Hill together. Yes, we're yeah. gonna watch Notting Hill, and you're gonna shut the fuck up so I don't miss any of my favorite moments. <laughs> I just gag him and make him watch Notting Hill for two hours. <laughs> Naked. That's dummy. I'm into that. Find me yeah. up. Yep. Spike yep. heel digging into his back. Oh my god! I'm there for it. I'm so there. For um, can I ask about your care team? How did you, how did you put this team together? Because I, I would imagine that with it being, I mean, obviously the care that you receive on a daily basis, that in and of itself is just an intimate relationship anyway. But then to transfer that into sexual encounters and helping you prepare for that, and um, how did you find the team that worked best for you? I didn't find them. They were given to me by the agency that where my housing is. So I didn't get to choose anybody who I, I don't get to choose anybody who touches me or deals with me on a daily basis. I have to take like whatever help I can get. So there, so I can be a cranky bitch when I don't get what I want. So I'm very upfront about we're doing this and here's why. And like, I, I don't hide from them that I suck dick. I don't hide mm-hmm. from them that I'm super queer and I don't hide from them that you're going to help me make sure that I'm fresh as a daisy down there so that by the time dude wants to, you know, do that scene with me, we're set to go. I don't pretend like I, and I did struggle with my care team initially about being like, how do I talk about this? How do I bring up that I'm queer? How do I, but then I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to be here for a number of years living here in this environment. I have to. They're going to have to know, and I'm going to have to know. And so now, if you walk into my apartment, there's a giant... My my, my friend drew a giant penis on my on my, on yes. the, on, on the whiteboard in my house. And so, like... Your friend, Amanda? Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> it was me. Please come to my house and draw a giant penis. I'm so there for it. Um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, the care team, I just tell them, like, look, today's sex day... I need your help for this. Like they know I schedule. I schedule in before the guy shows up. I schedule in my pre-care thing. I schedule in an hour and a half before so that I have everything that I need done so that it's done and I don't have to worry about it. I make it a part of my routine, and and that was again that takes away the thrill of spontaneity as a disabled mm-hmm. person, but it allows me the right to prove to everybody around me who may or may not think that I'm a sexual being, hey, this is a real reality for me. That's Speaking of being awesome. a sexual being, how do you prefer to find partners? Um, apps are great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I Like Grindr? <laughs> like, are we talking Grindr? Are we we're, talking, like, other apps that we don't know about? We're talking, we're talking Grindr, and if anybody who's listening uh, it goes on Grindr, my app name is 
big dick crap. Yup, um, it yeah. sure is. <laughs> I love that. I'm obsessed with you. Amazing. Uh, <laughs> so no, but I and I'm obsessed with all of you. By the way, P.S. Horse Crimes, best show Mutual. ever. <laughs> um, so, but no, but I'm on the ass all the time, and I, I, that's the most accessible option for me because going to bars, a lot of bars and a lot of places are not accessible, and a lot of like, right. I, I'm a leather daddy, <laughs> like so hard. Yeah, you are. Right. Yeah, yeah, I have a harness and all the things, but mm-hmm. I can't do any of that at the places where leather men go to do that so i'm relegated to the apps but i love the apps because i can choose a name like big dick crip i can play with <laughs> my identity as a disabled person mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and own that for myself like i don't hide the fact that i'm disabled on any of the apps that i go on or even if i do go out to a bar my disability isn't something that i pretend isn't real um mm. and that, i mean i, I find I don't have a lot of partners, but I have, you know, one or two that I see on a regular basis and we mess around because just to, just to go out for a coffee with a, with somebody is, can be, okay, how am I going to get there? Am I going to get lost? Am I going to be able to get the bus there? Mm-hmm. Are right. they going to show up? Like, are they going to be afraid? Am I going to have to make small talk about, like, my disability for 25 minutes? Like, mm-hmm. all of that mm-hmm. can be, like, you guys talk a lot about on, on your show about mental health and... Like that can be taxing as fuck. I don't oh, yeah. want to deal with all the stuff. I want to just like sometimes you want to have a Starbucks and suck some dick. Say that was yep. great. See you later. Bye. And like that's yep. <laughs> that's all I really want is to like. That's what I've been saying. <laughs> Kenyon really loves Starbucks. <laughs> I'm married. I've been with the same partner for a decade. It's a little bit different. Relationship <laughs> goals? Question mark. Yeah. Oh yeah, we're good. There's just not Starbucks doesn't factor in as much, nor do apps. Fair. Yeah. Fair. <laughs> um, well, speaking of yeah, the leather okay. stuff, mm-hmm. um, I want to. I'm curious about what like toys you use, if any, and like what kinds you are not able to use like and maybe what recommendations you may have <laughs> for someone you shopping about lube or new toys um <laughs> well i can't use a lot of toys because i don't have a lot of dexterity in mm-hmm. any of my limbs i'm kind of like a t-rex when it comes to my mm-hmm. hands in that i can't perfect yeah like that and then i don't have a lot of movement with a lot of my limbs so like playing with the dildo is not really that lucrative for me um for me with with my level of cerebral palsy and disability that i have it's not really many of the toys are not accessible um Mm -hmm. and especially as a queer man everything goes up your butt so none of it works for me um but in terms of like what i would recommend actually i'm gonna plug myself here my my sister and i are working on a line of sex toys for disabled people by disabled people. Yes, I was God, just I going that. to say that you should do that. This is amazing. It's, this is hugely amazing. It's already happening. We're wishing oh. it's ha- we are I'm actually signing the contract today. <gasps> yes. yes. Congratulations. It's this happening. is a huge deal. I'm so excited about this. It's the first it's the first one of its kind. Um we are working with a team in Australia to do proper research. So we're gonna sit for about a year and do literary reviews and do meetings and sit down. We're not going to slap like a strap or two on a dildo and say, oh, there you go. We made it accessible. No, no, no. We're going to do yes. like proper, <laughs> proper, like proper R&D to figure this out. And so, um, R&D. R&D. Yeah. So, uh-huh. I mean, in terms of recommend- research and <laughs> development. Okay. <laughs> I have one <laughs> giant <Dildo>. request. <laughs> I have a giant request. Yeah, I need yeah. I need for Amanda to say daddy for like just. just, uh. just <laughs> oh, you want me to call you daddy? <laughs> Will you be my new daddy? So I've much. been bad. Okay, all right. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting a little hot over here. Best. So we put t- down. Best. Taking I'm off the sweatshirt. <laughs> I love your daddy voice in Me a completely platonic way. It has evolved into something that actually arouses me. Okay, I feel like <laughs> my husband has started to say it because of you, and yes. that's a little creepy. Yeah. I don't hate it, but 
<laughs> your husband's a dirty little piggy and he needs me to watch him. <laughs> he is. Fantastic. This is so funny. Oh my God. <laughs> well, speaking of like kinks and, and the like, I have a question about um, if you feel like your partners fetishize you and if you have discomfort surrounding that. I was going to ask that too. I'm really, yeah. Glad you asked that. That's a fantastic question and one that I get a lot. So I, I have an answer like ready to go. Before mm-hmm. I get to that, though, I want to go back to daddy for one second. Because, yes, please. Yes, please. Yes, please. Because <laughs> when I, I was on the app the other day and somebody called me daddy and I swear to God, all I could hear was Amanda's voice in my head. <laughs> and I didn't know. Wow. What You're in so many bedrooms. <laughs> I Across am a boner killer. Maybe it turned me on a little bit. I know. It depends. For some people, I might be a boner exploder, and for some people, I might be a massive boner killer. And either way, you're welcome, and I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, I was sitting there with this guy in the app, and he called me daddy like twice, and I swear, I I started giggling uncontrollably in my bed because I was like... (laughs) All I can hear is Amanda's voice right now going, Daddy, and I don't know what to do. do what do I do? How do I get turned on by this right now? I don't. <laughs> People ask, ask that when they hear my voice all the time. Yeah, you ask them if they've listened to Wine and Crime Podcast. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that should be the prereq. You, oh you guys should talk to Apple and see if they can give you your own like emoji. Has that been has that happened yet? Like, oh. <laughs> that would be amazing. That would, I would explode. I would die. So the, the next time a guy calls me daddy, I can just send the emoji and be like, there you go. There it is. That's where my what? brain is. <laughs> um, so to answer uh, that question about being fetishized, though, I think there's positive fetishization and negative fetishization. So when I call myself a queer cripple, that's me fetishizing myself mm-hmm. and owning that. And if I really like you and I want to suck your dick, I will expect that when we're in bed, you call me cripple. Um, mm-hmm. And I will expect that when we're in bed, you enjoy that experience with me. However, if we're in bed and you're trying to make me more disabled for your own enjoyment, mm. that's ableism and that's a problem and we need to talk about that. So, um, Like I, tying you up or something? Well, I mean, if I consented to being tied up, that, that's fine. But if you, like move my wheelchair away so you had to do all the work or, you know, did oh. did something where I had no access to something or made it so that I was a helpless, poor, little disabled mm. person. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's not how Like you playing out be. some fantasy, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, if, that's, if, if I wanted to play the poor, helpless cripple and the only way that I could survive is for you to suck your dick, then, then I'm then fine. But if that's not what I've asked for, then, 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 that's, then we need to talk about that. And I think... In those conversations around sexuality and disability, talking about like what is too far, what's not too far, is really key because when you're in the th- the thick of it, no pun intended, or <laughs> may- maybe entirely, it intended. can be really hard to. Yeah. Know. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I think having those discussions is is really important, and that can be hard to be like, hey, at what point is me making f- making jokes about your disability a problem? I don't think right. that disability humor is problematic if there's no malcontent there if you are doing it to put me down then it's a problem but if you're doing it with a genuine a genuine like i want to play with you because i see you as who you are then it's okay Mm -hmm. and i think and i i honestly think that more disabled people need to fetishize themselves in a positive Mm -hmm. way and i think they need to be I think they need to be more open to playing with the language of who of who they are and their disability and, and what it means for them because we're so worried about our, our rights and our human rights as disabled people, which is all fair. We forget, though, that we can also play with that. Mm-hmm. Are most of your partners what we would consider able-bodied or do you, have you had partners that are have various disabilities themselves? I was I've been with one disabled guy um, in my whole in my whole experience of sex, which is like going on fucking fifteen years now. Holy shit! Um, wow. Yeah. That surprises me. One one disabled guy, and I met him at a mall years and years ago, and I mm-hmm. was I immediately wanted to like I was like, wow, you're really cute, and you're disabled. Great, we can be disabled and queer together. Like, let's do this. And then mm-hmm. we had the sexy times and. 
the minute it was over, I have no chill, okay? So I called him the minute my door closed and was like, oh my god, I had the greatest time. Let's be friends. Oh, I love you. Because I'm a little pixie and I want to be loved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> basically Meg Ryan in the 90s. Uh, yeah. And so he he was like, well, yeah, um, just so you know, you're too disabled for me. Uh, <gasps> too disabled for yeah. him? Yeah. What a what? fucked up thing to say. So yeah. he was ableist as a disabled person. Yeah, which, I mean, so that goes, that does show that, like, ableism doesn't discriminate. It, it happens everywhere. Um, and so... Like, I just, I remember being so hurt because I was like, what? You're disabled. You can't say those things. And then I realized that anybody could. So I think that and uh, the majority of my partners after that have been able-bodied. Um, actually, all of them have. But I, you know what? I get off on being someone's first disabled person. I'm not going to lie. Mm. It's a <laughs> r- weird kink I have. I'm like, oh, you've never been with a disabled person before? Great. Let me be your first and your best one ever. Yeah. <laughs> so is that that thrill and that kink, does that contribute to maybe why you are not actively seeking like a long-term relationship? That's a, that's a great question. I never thought of it like that. It, uh, it could be. I think I, I also think that with relationships... With disability, when you, with my type of disability, and because I'm supported primarily by the state or the province of Ontario, but basically the mm-hmm. state. So, like, so like, I'm on what I'm on the Canadian equivalent of like SSDI. Um, mm-hmm. So, if I move in with a partner and we get married and fall in love, then my benefits get cut in half. Oh, okay. So, to actually survive and be, and you have to be single. Yeah. To stay afloat, I can't. I can't have a partner legally. So the whole idea of like being with someone long term is a nice fantasy, but the reality is a lot, a lot more. It's just different because the minute we're together, I would lose half, and then I would become dependent on them, and then that breeds resentment, and all the stuff happens. So yeah, but I mean, yeah, I think part of like I do enjoy the thrill of being your first cripple. Like I play with that all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you ever, um, when you have a partner come over, you don't have a care person there at the same time. It's like they come, you get prepped, you get all gussied up, you do your thing, and then they leave and your partner comes over, correct? Yeah, so what I do is I'll, they, they fix me up, they put me in my chair, they put, I have a, a Hoyer lift, which is like a lift that I get in and out of, out of bed from. And they put that out around me so that all my partner has to do is attach it to the lift and then we transfer in and out of the bed. Like, but I train my, my, I train my lovers in, into what to do because I don't want to bring my care team into it. I want right. that to be the one time where I'm being touched as a sexual being for what it is, as a sexual being. And this is my moment to just let go and to not... Like when, for instance, this morning when somebody got me up and touched me and did all my stuff they're touching my junk all the time and they're mm-hmm. seeing me naked mm-hmm. doing, which which is really intimate but you have to reach this place in your brain where you're like nothing about this is sexual this is me getting up right yeah so like yeah when i'm fucking a partner this is my moment to be like i'm gonna be the most sexual person you've ever met in your life because mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't get that opportunity very often so when mm-hmm. they set me up the minute my partner's over i am like i am like Chomping at the bit, horse pun again. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> um, have you ever felt like in a vulnerable position having a stranger come over? You know, I, I don't know if this parallel makes any sense, but when I used to do research about prostitution policy and sex work, um, that was one of the biggest topics that would come up a lot is, is when I was interviewing sex workers is like they're going into a situation with a new partner on, you know, different terms and they're putting themselves in a vulnerable and possibly precarious situation. And it's just something that they have to be aware of. Is, has that ever, have you ever felt that way or have you always felt like, okay, this is my space. You're coming into my space. 
No, it, when they enter my space, whoever it is, it's not my space anymore. It's our space together. And I mm. feel sometimes because they're not disabled, they have an inherent power that I don't have. Even if mm -hmm. we're in my home and we're in a place where I feel quote unquote comfortable, they are the ones, my lover is the one making sure I can get in and out of bed, making sure I'm comfortable, making sure that like I'm in the right position, making sure that everything is good to go. So they're, and I give them that power and I give them that trust because I don't have a choice. So mm -hmm. there, I mean, I've never, f there were, there have been one or two moments. That's not, I've almost said I never felt, that's not true. There have been one or two moments where I have felt unsafe. Um, luckily, mm -hmm. you know, nothing happened and I, I got away and it, it was fine. But I think consent and disability can often look really, really different. And mm. no, the idea of just saying no and moving on is a great idea it's not so much a reality and especially when you're living with disabilities it's if i say no i might not be able to have sex for another two three months so right if i say yes at least i'll get to be sexual mm -hmm. so it's a really interesting balancing act of like how what do i want to consent to and what do i want to say yes to and how will this feel what will i lose out on if i say no so right. It's a real negotiation. There are stakes yeah. involved. I mean, and, and these stakes are things that I never tell the partner. The partner thinks I'm flirty and fun and relaxed and enjoyable the whole time. Inside my brain, I am like, oh my God, what's next? How do I, how do I feel about this? What am I going to say? How's it going to be the whole time? The partner never, never knows because I don't want to, you know, I do want to come off as sexy and desirable and nobody wants to, like, talking about consent isn't necessarily the sexiest thing ever. It can be. But usually right. it's not. So the whole idea of like, okay, we're going to have a 45-minute conversation about how I feel about this, that doesn't necessarily give us all the boners. Um, yeah. Right. So I, I yeah. try to be – it's really internal, all this stuff, but it's all there. Wow. Speaking of all the boners <laughs> – oh, sorry. Go, Go ahead, ahead, Lucy. Oh. Uh, you were – you mentioned that you were built like a T-Rex earlier and you don't have a lot of mobility of your arms and hands. Correct. So is this a is this a masturbation free zone or what other maybe tricks do you use when you know the mood strikes at random? Well, like I said, Meg Ryan is a jam, um, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I'm but you know I don't have the ability to masturbate because my hands have mm -hmm. really limited dexterity, and so I used to be able to jerk off all the time. But now as I get older, my muscles get tighter. I can't. Mm -hmm. So I mean, what I sometimes. What I'm learning, though, is that your body releases that stuff sometimes randomly when you don't want it to. So Sure does. So, like, <laughs> I, was watching a, I was watching TV the other day. No porn, nothing salacious. And all of a sudden, I was like, oh, I think I just ejaculated. What the? What mm -hmm. the what? And it just, it's, it used to be embarrassing, and now it's kind of hilarious. It's a thing that I, like, mm -hmm. talk about more openly now. Um, but, no, I will use those sessions with the, 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 lover that I have to really be as sexual as I can and of course the irony with that is when they're there with me being like hey I'm here to help you like do this my body's like oh you don't want to come today it's fine don't worry about oh, it oh I hate You're like ah! <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 so come on it, it can be <laughs> we talked about this please <laughs> set it up yeah no it, it can be super frustrating and super like uh, annoying because I want to be able to like and especially in my community in the queer community like stroking your like th whipping your dick out and just jerking one out is almost commonplace at least that's that's the way queer media makes it look like it's happening all right. the time so when yeah I think that the world of masturbation between people who identify as men and people who identify as women is, is pretty different and then also like queer hetero homosexual like I feel like the different varieties and types of masturbation and what is considered like par for the course right super varies mm -hmm. yeah totally for sure um I, I do you Lucy I cut Lucy off what was Lucy oh. what were you gonna ask oh uh I don't remember what my last question was it was something about consent and like feeling compromised um I what I did have a thought that when you when you said that your um, 
care team would kind of prep you and then they would leave and then your partner would come over as just as a true crime podcaster i was like oh my god i hope you have a knife near the bed (laughs) (laughs) well and then my (laughs) what um and then my oh yeah do you have a knife by the bed i don't have like an emergency call button or something i do i have my phone always with me always on me um, and I have, I'm really well with my teeth too, so. Oh, good boy. Like, We're just so Minnesotan. We just, you know, text us when you get home. We want to make yeah. sure you're safe. Well, yeah. you know, you know, our good friend M from, and that's why we drink. I know you're on her, yep. te- I know you're on her, sorry, their text chain. And I feel mm-hmm. like we should start our text chain. I feel, I'm feeling a little, mm-hmm. I want to mm-hmm. get in on Ooh. that text chain. Let's, <laughs> Okay. We should <laughs> talk about that. Um, no, but I think, you know, safety is key. And I'm, I'm very well-versed in, I know how to bite. I know how to rip things. I know how to be, I know how to fight for my life if I have to. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not, but I've never, the good thing about being disabled sometimes, though, is that when you, because people are so afraid of me already because of disability, I really don't have to worry too, too much about feeling too compromised typically yeah. i spend an hour calming the dude down about like okay it's gonna be all right we're gonna have great sex like don't worry about it we're good rather mm-hmm. than them being scared and i always before they come over like i'll say on the app like do you have any questions are you concerned what can i walk you through because i understand that it's scary and i understand that they need somebody to to give them a pointer but i do think we need to talk about violence against disabled people because it happens all the time and Mm -hmm. that's why i was saying to you uh, to you all to well can't speak to all of you that i want (laughs) to do an episode with you on your show about crimes against disabled people because right happens constantly and we need it's something we need to we do need to be aware of yeah that abuse is so rampant and it's yeah absolutely it's such a serious issue and i still don't really I don't really have, like, a good grasp of, um, you said that you don't like it when people fetishize your disability sort of without your consent. Do you feel like people that you hook up with might have fetishy attitudes towards your disability without, like, disclosing those to you? Are you worried about that? I mean, where's the line of people who just want to hook up with, you know, a differently abled person? The big dick crib <laughs> versus, versus like just a, Andrew just a, who has a podcast and a blog and is super cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Sometimes all I want is the D2. So look, if mm-hmm. my wheelchair, my disability is going to get you in my front door and get you to get to know me, then I'll, you know, I'll take it. Like I said, it's a, it's a really, it's a really personal thing. Some people can be like, oh no, I don't want it. I don't want you to ever fetishize my disability. But when you start making it a part of your identity, especially as strongly as I've done with mine. Um, it's, I, I want you, like, I, that's why I say to lovers, like, call me cripple. I have a lover who calls me. We were making that one day and he's like, you know, and I, I when I'm in, in bed, I can't move. And so I, I, I joke all the time that I'm in the dead turtle position. So, <laughs> so one day I was in dead turtle position. My favorite. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's the best position. I the best get yoga it. pose. The best. I'm really lazy. Downward. Okay. Downward dog or dead turtle. Um, yep. Fat baby. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we were, I was in that position and he started laughing, and I said, "What's up? What's what's funny?" And he goes, "You know what? Right there, you kind of look like a potato." Oh. And oh my god! So I've heard that before. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so from yeah, the term of endearment in my house. Uh-huh. Yeah. So like, which is I, I have so many questions about why. Um, <laughs> uh, but so he started calling me potato, and then it had double meaning because people think disabled people are vegetables, and so I was like, well, that's horrible. But oh my lord! <laughs> but it's, it's really funny, and that like it, it shows that he like. He sees me for what it is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, as you've heard on our show, I can totally relate to including some of that element of humor and like lightheartedness to your situation because with my dad losing his leg, um, it was a pretty traumatic situation for our family. And 
all of us having a sense of humor about it and continuing that on until literally the day he died was huge for us. It was honestly life-saving for my dad and a great way for our family to cope and just kind of normalize the changes that come along with, you know, an out-of-the-blue disability now that he he had. Um, So I really commend you for just bringing that element of humor into your own life and like just making you know making it yours and taking control and it's really not about self-deprecation either Mm -mm. it's like a different type of humor about it and that's why i think you can totally retain your dignity and still laugh at your partner calling you a potato Mm -hmm. (laughs) like no i I, I like first of all the story of your dad's leg at the beach Mm-hmm. Oh, cracks me up! Like so funny. I listened to that three or four times, <laughs> and I fell apart. I got started the show. It's like one of our best family memories. It's, it's like that summer, him waving his stump at the beach tag girls. Like it's hysterical. <laughs> didn't, didn't he also have a pirate party? We didn't have a pirate party, leg? but everybody would call him Peg Like Mike, and the first leg that he received to learn how to walk on while they were continuing to like create his prosthetic was a woman's foot with permanently red painted toenails <laughs> and he loved it and he would like show it off like he would like do a fake sexy like pull up his pants leg, take his socks off, and have like this woman's foot on the- it was so funny like he was just such a good sport about it but he wasn't you know he didn't always get there on his own he he wasn't always a good sport about it you have your good days and your bad days and everybody's entitled to that but to have a good you know foundation of like lucy said dignity and humor and then to also have support of people that you love is really key i think yeah and i think when you're like again you you all talk so much about mental health if you didn't if i didn't laugh at my disability i would be really upset all the time because there are a lot mm-hmm. of, there's so many things that happened to, in my life that are upsetting that I don't know how to handle. So I, I, so I laugh about it or try to laugh about it or make a joke or try to normalize it in a way that's funny. Otherwise, I would be that angry disabled person all the time. And I, like, I'm angry about a lot of stuff, but I try to do it in a way that is let me bring this to an audience in a way that's funny and relatable so that we don't mm-hmm. all turn on each other in sadness about how disability sucks. Ugh. You're amazing. It's also a great way. I love your show because it's a great way to engage people who don't necessarily have uh, physical disabilities and teach them about your perspective and your your life experience without without it being super heavy. And like the sex element too is as like Amanda's totally related to lube and whatever. Mm -hmm. But um, it's just a good way to engage everybody and share your experience so that's why i love your show and to maybe show that people's are experiences aren't that different even considering some of you know the yeah. obvious very different physical limitations that you may have that i may not have we've probably been in a lot of similar awkward sexual situations or just not the that juice different thing yeah yeah <laughs> there you go like when you as soon as you said juice i was like this story will bond us for life because <laughs> Well, Amanda, like when she's dating someone new who's showing promise, um, she'll like one of the first signs is she'll like text us and be like, he went out and he stocked up on juice. Like, yeah, and and that's always like the first sign when she's like dating someone and like actually interested in them. We're like, oh, okay, he stocked up on juice, like take that box. Well, it's just, progressing it's a, forward. Yeah, it's a small way of being like, okay, I recognize that this is serious, and that this is part of your life, and it's part of who you are, and I, you know, want to be understanding and helpful. And that's like, that's huge to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. completely. And I think, like, I think, as I just coughed in the mic, I'm not going to edit that out because whatever. No, it's perfect and adorable, and I love it. Um, <laughs> And so, like, so first question, are you seeing someone new that would bring you juice yet? Yes, I am seeing someone new that does not have juice, but I have had to send him to put sugar in water for me, and he's done it a couple of times. Fantastic. So we'll see where this goes. It's still, you know, it's still new. Amanda's new boyfriend (laughs) provided me with my favorite form of juice, which is juice with alcohol, because Mm -hmm. he stocked up her bar Mm -hmm. a few weeks ago. Yeah, we had booze juice. We had cocktails at like 11 in the morning. It was wonderful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's good like that. He's good like that. 
But uh, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> so, uh, I'm trying to think about how many other. So, so I. This is an awesome chat. This is so fun. And I loved every second of this, honestly. Yes. Can yeah. we have a side hustle show that's just us talking about things for an hour? Oh my god! We had any time. Yeah, when when the day when the day becomes forty hours long, I will definitely add like three more shows with you. God bless it. Amazing, but But we could definitely do this again. This would be amazing. I would love to, and you know, I'm I'm starting another another show. I'm gonna plug it because why not? Starting another starting another show called When I Was a Disabled Kid, talking about talking to disabled adults about disability when they were kids. Oh, I love that. I love it. So, yeah, keep us updated on when that's coming out so that we can share and promote and all the fun things. There's also your toy line, which I am yeah. thrilled about. I will mm-hmm. I will send you all the li- actually I'm gonna I'll plug it here again. Deliciously disabled Oh my yes. god yes. slash donate. We're looking for money for research right now. So if anybody oh, wants to throw in five, ten bucks. We're trying to raise 15k in the next few months mm-hmm. to get mm-hmm. the research done. So if anyone wants to throw in money there, they can do that. The listeners have heard that. Um, but I, I just want to congratulate you three on the amazingness of what you've done. Uh, like I can't. We're even... just getting drunk and chatting, but thank <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> I just. It... <laughs> So, like it's so <laughs> it's so like I, I watched the CBS thing yesterday. Aww. So powerful! Wow! Like when I so first of all when I saw you better do a live show in Toronto. That's all you have to. I just need to. Oh, t- Kenyon and I used to tear it up in Toronto. Yeah, we, we definitely love Toronto. we definitely love Toronto. We want to come up there and do a show for sure. I've yeah. never been. Yeah, well, yep. you should have been in upstate New York in two thousand and six through two thousand and nine, Lucy. <laughs> My mistake. You uh, really blew it. Like seriously, no. Toronto's the jam, and mm-hmm. we would love to have you. And I, as an ambassador for the city, <laughs> like you need to do one there. And if you do one, I want to come out. I want. I will promote it to the whole to everyone because I, I was caught on CCTV by the Canadian Embassy in DC peeing in their parking lot. What? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Okay. And weirdly, they apologized to you about it. <laughs> We're sorry. We're sorry. We are so um, sorry. <laughs> as we are okay. not. As we I, are. Like I planned it. I really, really, really had to go. I was 16. My grand, not my grandmother, my aunt was driving me around in her minivan. And we were trying to find a public bathroom. And, like, nothing was open, and I was like, I gotta go, I gotta go somewhere. So we found, like, a parking lot. We didn't know what it was. It was just, like, a parking lot with good shrubbery. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna do this. Okay, it was whatever. a government building. <laughs> and I dropped the crowd, and then a floodlight panned over to yeah. me. Oh, no! <laughs> right above me and my aunt was sitting in the minivan and was like her jaw like hit the fucking floor and I was like literally pants around my ankles like floodlight camera pointed at me like oh my god and I just oh. like got the fuck out of there oh, I'm dear. so happy like, yeah. that's, the, that's the best story ever um, <laughs> Kenyon pees everywhere I always have to pee <laughs> <laughs> that might be what I have to name this episode. I always yes. have to pee. Question. Oh, I have to pee right now. Yeah. Oh God, you made her have to pee. Oh no. <laughs> okay. So, do the three of you have one final disability question that I could answer about disability or sex or both? I'm plumb out of questions for you. Honestly, we covered a lot. Yeah. It was a good hour of podcast <laughs> moments. Really good okay. content. If we have more, we'll do a part two. How about that? Amazing. Yeah, Amazing. let's save them. I'm so, I'm so we can come back. Yes. Oh no, you you have an open door. There's an open door togetherness. What is the word I want? An open door policy of your love. It. That's right. Um, Perfect. But I want to thank. All of you, the Wine and Crime gals, for stopping by Disability After Dark today. Um, you guys are the best. Thank you Thank so you much for having, having us. us. We Thank love you. you. We love you. And when this episode comes out, like, let us know so we can cross-promote it and tweet it and all the things. 
Fantastic. Oh, yeah. So excited. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks. Bye-bye. And there you have it. That was my interview with the ladies of Wine and Crime, Kenyon, Lucy, and Amanda. Thank you, all the three of you, for coming on the show and for moving stuff out of your busy schedule to do this with me. It was so much fun. Thank you for asking the most insightful questions and for being as hilarious as you are. Thank you for helping me laugh about sex and disability. Sometimes I don't do that enough, and this was a great refresher for me to actually enjoy myself in these conversations. Thank you. Just thank you for being you. Everybody else needs to download their stuff right now. Look for Wine and Crime on your nearest podcast catcher. They, it's You will not be disappointed. Alright, so that's another episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. I'm, of course, your host, Andrew Gerza. Thank you so much for listening and being a part of this. If you want to follow my work, you can head on over to www.andrewgerza.com or follow me on Twitter at Andrew Gerza. You can also follow the Disability After Dark podcast on Twitter by following DisAftDarkPod. You can also follow our Facebook page, facebook.com slash disabilityafterdark. It would also be super awesome if you could leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts so more people can hear about the show. And if you are able and want to support the show, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash cripple content. This way we can do, do things like get better equipment, you help me make a living doing this thing. You help support content made but made by and for people with disabilities. So I can't thank you enough. And you can pledge whatever you can and as little as $1 a month to make it as financially accessible as possible. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you again next time right here on Disability After Dark. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations with music by Chris Ujiuchi. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright Crippled Content Creations 2018